0: Hello and welcome to the Animation Communication Podcast, your source for discussion about animation, film, fandom and more. So please, join your host I Love Kim Possible A Lot, or KP, and Lauren Kizic for today's discussion. If you like what you hear, please remember to support us by giving a like, a follow, as well as subscribing to the main I Love Kim Possible A Lot channel on YouTube. Spread the word and keep being a part of a great community. This episode is appropriate for all ages.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Animation Communications. I'm Lauren, AKA the Abby Roadie, and with me is KP, as you all know her. Guess what? We switched roles today. Isn't that exciting? Now she is the Dom. <laughs> <laughs> um. And roles are switched back. <laughs> <laughs> there can only be one. <laughs> We're just going to have a battle to the death over who's going to be the lead MC at this point.
2: (laughs) uh, We'll have, like, one of those DJ death battles or whatever the kids are doing these days. (sighs) Epic host battles of history! Woo. Yeah. I mean, Lauren and I are, like, ridiculously close in age anyway, so it wouldn't matter too much. But, um, anyway... Um, So this episode is going to be talking about just some basic art principle stuff, um, just things you should learn as a general artist on the internet or outside the internet. Um, Lauren has an animation degree, right?
0: Yes,
1: I do. Animation, I have a bachelor's in animation and a minor in studio arts. Okay. And
2: I have a, my fancy degree, my bachelor's degree is in film, um, which is, it's kind of, eh, it's okay. don't if you're going to go to film school go to a school that actually has like film equipment (laughs) is my suggestion or else you're just going to be doing a bunch of analysis and i'm just like this is what i do on the internet anyway thanks thanks you know school state school that i won't name and then um my minor is in studio art so i've taken a lot of life drawing classes and 3d design and 2d design and in color theory so if you don't know what any of those are We will get to that in the end of the podcast so i promise i'm just not someone who's just like lauren tell them things i'm gonna read a magazine and you know pretend i know things so we are are equally like knowledge in these things professionally if that's what matters
1: to you (laughs) anyway you're gonna sit down for this three-hour ted talk on how photoshop works anyway (laughs) that's that's the podcast it won't be three hours. I, I, I swear to God, it won't be three hours.
2: <laughs> okay, before we get into any of the educational stuff, Lauren, um, what's in the news?
1: <laughs> well, what's in the news? Um, well, let's see. Scoob came out yesterday. Yes, this kind of dates the episode a little bit, but Scoob did just come out. And a lot of people really liking it. Some people have their issues with it, but, you know, what movie doesn't? Um, but it, I personally have watched it, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, it's totally true to the actual vibe of the original cartoon series, at least to me, while still updating it for a more, I guess you could say, millennial crowd, without it being too over the top. Like, sometimes you feel like you can't stomach the stuff if it's too overdone, but this one, it was done just right. Uh, it had a new cast, you know, it wasn't with Matt Lillard or Grey Lyle, but it did have Frank Welker back as as Scooby-Doo, so that was good, and he actually got ex- screen credit so that was really nice seeing his name up on well the, the home big screen I guess you could say <laughs> and the um, thought that counts yeah and I know a lot of people were uh, hoping to see it in theaters but they yeah Warner Brothers released it on VOD uh, on the day it was supposed to be theatrically released so as far as this quarantine goes uh, you know we'll see where all these other uh, movie releases come in down the line. How many more are going to be just straight VOD? We'll see. We'll see. Um, But yeah, and then uh, we also have updates on a couple live action films. I believe we touched on one kind of recently, but the other one is brand new. So Hercules live action is uh, the live action adaptation is being done by Disney. And that's in the works right now. And that's been, you know, getting all the Internet up in a tizzy about it, which I mean, it can be a good or a bad thing. But either way, people are excited one way or another about it to see what they'll do, and I think they said they'll still stick to it being a musical. We'll still, I, I think, I think they're going to try to it better be a musical, yeah. And like,
2: <laughs> don't you? I, you lost me with Luan. Don't don't deprive me of the muses, man. I know
1: it's it's especially when it was just like the music was so ingrained into the storyline of the original, and I mean, some people are going, oh, but what if it's more like the actual Greek mythology? I'm like. You can still have music in it. It doesn't, doesn't mean it can't. <laughs> and plus, people want to see, when they're seeing Disney's Hercules, they're seeing their adaptation of Hercules. You know, that's what people kind of expect. If you... I know it's just... <laughs> yeah. go, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, well, the other one that people are also mixed about, but I see a lot more excitement about it, is uh, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, is getting a live-action adaptation as well. Uh, That is one of the ones, that and Treasure Planet, I think, are the two movies I said long ago that needed, if they were to be done in live action, those are the two movies I think deserve that kind of second chance in the movie theaters, as much as I love the animated versions. But we'll see how many more people want to see the live action versions, because you know what, it's almost, we almost had Atlantis Submarines at Disneyland because of the first movie. So I mean, just saying it was in the it was in the blueprints.
2: <laughs> Didn't the movie like perform okay ish though? Like I don't remember Atlantis bombing as well, as
1: badly yeah, as the it, planet it, did. It did okay. I mean okay enough that Disney was hopeful that they were going to turn one of their you know, they were gonna turn this the old uh submarine voyage at Disneyland into an Atlantis ride. Um still keeping the submarines, of course. Um But they, uh, but yeah, the movie only did okay. So much as I mean, the crew was getting ready to go back in to make the sequel, and or no, was it the sequel? No, yeah, they were already making. So I think they were already making the you know the made for TV kind of like they were making a pilot, I guess.
2: Yeah, the yeah the pilot for the TV show that didn't get to be a TV show. Yeah, and
1: that's pretty much as far (laughs) as they got with it. Now I'm realize I'm getting mixed up. The uh, Treasure Planet was the one where they were on their way to making a sequel. Had stuff ready, and then they got word that after um, initially after like the, the initial box office for Treasure Planet it bombed so bad that they said we're we're dumping everything, and that left that whole crew just stranded.
2: <laughs> okay, I'll 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 just do a little tidbit because I can do a whole podcast about Treasure
1: Planet because
2: <laughs> Treasure Planet is one of my um, top movies of of all time for me, not just animated, but all top. Um, it's great, I love it. Go see Treasure Planet. But anyway, um, so the tidbit I think that is interesting is I actually talked to a Disney employee who's on the lot or just working on um, more on the technical side versus the animation side of Treasure Planet. Mm -hmm. And they talked about when it bombed and historically the advertisement and the marketing is what's to blame for it. Plus, it got released in a weekend that had like the second Harry Potter and Mm -hmm. the second Lord of the Rings and I think a James Bond movie all in that weekend. So like it didn't stand a chance. But um, Michael Eisner at the time, who was the head of uh, Disney, um, mm-hmm. actually took responsibility and apologized to the whole crew for how he handled the marketing for the movie. So at least there's some accountability there, even though that's not very much a public knowledge thing. But I, you know, I feel like you know, like we talked about earlier, the Horn King is in the the Disney Sorcerers app. So I'm I'm just kind of hoping that. As time goes on, it will be more kind to Treasure Planet. As what's happening with Hunchback, people are remembering Hunchback more fondly as time goes on. From what I've realized, and uh, Lauren, do you have another example off the top of your head?
1: Uh, well, I was gonna say I, I was initially was gonna say like what happened to Treasure Planet is what happened to Iron Giant and Cats Don't Dance. You know, being released mm-hmm. in a it, being released around the same time as another movie that took away its thunder. And also, just even more so, poor marketing. Like, really poor marketing. And it's all because, at the time, it was just almost like nobody believed in the projects being successes. So, uh, now they're, like, cult classics. If not, some of the more celebrated movies of the 90s. So, go figure that one. Um, Did you ever, out of curiosity, did you ever see Titan
2: A.E.*? Yes,
1: I did. I remember, the weird thing is, (laughs) I remember watching it. Okay, Storytime. I remember watching it. I think it was on, uh, it was originally, I think I saw it being broadcast on the, well, what's now the CW, but back in the day when it was like, I guess it was like Warner Brothers. It was still like the Warner Brothers channel. It was just the WB. That's pretty much what it was called. And I remember it playing as, like, one of those, like, movie night kind of shows, like, on a weekend. Like, I think it was probably, like, one of those matinee shows that they play at, like, 4 (laughs) p.m. And I had no idea what I was watching at first. I I watched it from the very beginning, all the way to the end. I first thought, huh, this version of Treasure Planet is not the one I remember. (laughs)
2: That guy kind of looks like Dimitri, but he's
1: <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, it, because yeah, it's a Bluth production. So I mean, yeah. So the characters ended up looking a lot like they were bootleg Anastasia characters. Sorry, it's like I'm not being in, I'm not insulting the project. It's just the Bluth style when you can tell the who you know who worked on the movie or whose hands were all over a project, especially when it comes to Don Bluth stuff, because of the because of the way the people are drawn or the or the animals are drawn. Or it's just, like, there's something distinct in his style that you can tell. So when you're seeing blonde Dimitri and and space Anastasia. And space Nathan Lane. Yep. And I, I just remember it was just so dark and even just way darker than I thought. Yeah, I... Well, what I would have expected, especially because I thought, oh, am I watching another version of Treasure Planet? Little naive me <laughs> seeing this movie at like <laughs> what, nine years old? <laughs> so it was, it, it, but I, I remember loving it. It was just very, very dark and I think I'd something, one of those things I have to revisit now because even though I watched it so many years ago, there's a lot I still remember and it's especially because it was a more mature film.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll say... So I I watched it, like, maybe two or three years ago just to mark it off my list of things I've seen. Um, I didn't really like it that much. I felt like the characters weren't really well-developed, um, and the story was just kind of... got stupid, yeah. essentially, because um, the, the twist for very obvious, stuff like that. But visually, it's very interesting. It kind of reminds me of the, the video game Beyond Good and Evil as far as the visual style. So it's it's like... It's more like Atlantis kind of style, but in space versus like Treasure Planet space, more like mm-hmm. Pirates in Space, but like more 20th century Industrial Revolution space. Yeah. So, you know, um, it has a unique visual style that way, but it's not as like just juxtaposition y, if that's a word, um, between Treasure Planet, which again, you know, I love Treasure Planet. Go see Treasure Planet. It's on Disney Plus. Yes. But, um, yeah, so, Tainai is kind of like if you want to see it, go see it. It's it's not, it's not the best movie, but I guess it's interesting. But I appreciate I was, it for I was... what it
1: tried to do. It's def- it's far from a perfect movie, but it's like, hey, we can all we can all like like things, and it doesn't have to be perfect. Hey, The room is a mess, but we like it because <laughs> it's a mess. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, my thing is always, like, if you like something and it's bad, realize the aspects that you like about it and realize what can be approved upon. Like, you're not inherently stupid for liking a stupid movie. I think you just have to take apart the points as far as... And I think that's just a big thing in internet culture and reviewing in general that, you know, there's the implication that you're stupid for liking the stupid episode or the stupid media or, like... I'll probably talk about it when it gets closer, but Space Jam, everyone, like, that's the only nostalgic property I think that I've seen a, re- a resurgence of that I'm just like, but do you, but Space Jam, like, there's always this story that, like, um, Mel Blank, I think, went to a Space Jam party when he was, you know, older, obviously, and, mm-hmm. you know, tried to argue that I think it was Mel Blank. it was either Mel Blank or one of the um, one of the head animators for Bugs, and tried to argue that the Bugs depicted in Space Jam was out of character and they just kind of laughed him off and he left early. So, you know, it's...
1: Yeah. I, I, there was a, I, I think whole, Space Jam... Go ahead. I was gonna say, that whole production was a mess for Space Jam. It was... and the problem is, is that the product was absolutely just 100%, 1 million percent, just a conglomerate commercial. It was all of these mm-hmm. different brands, all these different icons all coming together for one giant commercial within a commercial within a commercial that also had aliens so <laughs> playing basketball. So it was, <sighs> yeah. It's, yeah. And Bill Murray for some reason. Not not complaining. Yeah, Bill not just complaining, there. but Bill Murray.
2: <laughs> Before Bill Murray got like super, super, super old. I'm, not, I'm trying not to curse because this is an age appropriate podcast because we'll talk about like basic stuff but like man like of all these nostalgic things you want to um redistribute society space jam like i don't want to see space jam sure it's that hot topic and in, in route 21 i want my treasure planet like i shouldn't have to go on Etsy or Redbubble to buy treasure planet stuff disney okay and <laughs> i
1: was gonna say did you want to bring up uh, any any other things that had happened in the in the more recent times in entertainment slash animation,
2: oh yeah, there was the one thing. Um, so Shira just ended um, the new the reboot for um, the '80s Shira that DreamWorks took over, and it's great, and I recommend it. Um, if of this recording, the internet is raving about it, so I know I knew I had to watch it quick before I was spoiled, and I was spoiled a little bit anyway. But like, um, for those who have seen my Shira video. Um, I kind of predicted what was going to happen anyway, like, I could tell the beats that were going to happen, so, you know, whatever, I guess, but everyone's very excited about it, I'll try not to spoil it, but it's, you can probably guess what happened that I'm hinting at, like, it's you know, very, very, very inclusive gay pride, yay stuff, which I'm, I'm good, I'm good for, I, I applaud she um, I'm not as satisfied with it as much as everyone else is. I think Catcher got off a little bit too easy. All the stuff that she kind of did pre-season five, I think she had to face some more harsh consequences than, you know, just basically trying to save other people. But anyway, that's my only real complaint and it got pretty mushy near the end. And I just bought myself a Netflix, or I sat up for the 30 day trial just so I could watch the whole thing. <laughs> because um, it was gonna take too long to get on the alternative cartoon sites that I knew I just had to go wa- watch it on Netflix. So I, that's what I did all yesterday was watch the rest of she and it's good. I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. I always say it's as good, it's on the levels of Avatar The Last Airbender as far as just like world building and storytelling and character development. And uh, my issues with it are nitpicky at the, at the most, I think. Um, but, yeah, Lauren, have you seen much of Shira in general?
1: Uh, I've only seen, I've truthfully really only seen, like, clips here and there. I mean, I, the thing is with the internet, everybody's going to be posting about everything. So I pretty much know how everything ends. <laughs> but it doesn't mean I won't watch it. Because I do love the animation and I do love the the characters that I have seen clips of. So, I mean and plus i'm fam- and i'm familiar more with like the OG shira so i'm like i'm totally mm-hmm. i totally want to see it, and really sit down and dive into uh dreamworks shira like, i should have i should have gotten into ult- into uh, voltron but i haven't gotten into that one yet either i'm way behind on that yeah i
2: heard that ended kind of badly <laughs> Oof. yeah
1: i'm like yeah. there was there was a hardcore fan base for that at, a t- at one time and i mean I, I'm sure they're still out there. I just haven't seen as much Voltron content as of late because it's just I just remember how diehard the fandom was though.
2: Yeah. All I know about Voltron is that it ended very badly and there's some um some some fight for control between the creative team and the executives depending on how much like hardship they wanted to de- depict. Mm-hmm. I don't think She had as much of a problem because the, the the things that it's that it finalized near the end were things that were set up early on in the in the show. I mean, it's pretty obvious, like on hindsight, when you think about it. So I don't know, but you know, i that's someone who hasn't seen Voltron. That's just something I've heard. Um, but yeah, I love Shira. I have the Adora jacket. I relate to Adora a lot. Um, and then I. If it actually happens, um one of my conventions this year that got postponed is Phoenix Fan Fusion. I'm actually hosting the Shira panel there. So hopefully come out to that if you're in Phoenix, Arizona, assuming that the con is still happening in September or
1: whatever. So Who knows? They may translate it over to online. It's quite possible. And then you have like an online yeah. stream thing.
2: Yeah, they might I don't know. I mean
1: they did that they we'll did that recently figure rec- it out. They did that recently with BabsCon and it seemed to do okay. So
2: yeah, but does but online streams do they make money?
1: Uh the well the streams I I don't know. <laughs> Are they exclusive to like people that bought tickets? Um uh, I think they can make it that way. Uh, it seemed like Babscon okay. it seems like BabsCon was I mean as far as I know you could watch the videos but if you wanted to participate or something in panels or something, they give you a stream key or something, some kind of funky, I, I can't remember, I could be completely wrong, but they, I do know that there were certain things that they made, like, exclusive, and then they, uh, but then they also had the online marketplace, so they were just trying to, like, promote the vendors that were originally going to be there, um, trying to promote them, them to sell their stuff.
2: Womp Oh, yeah. I don't know. So I guess we'll just see what happens. So both of my, I had two cons scheduled, um, before things kind of went to crap and they both scheduled for September. So we'll just see if they end up still happening or, or not. We're all just going to die and I'm going to be at my parents' house until like a year from now. And I really don't like being here extensively except doggos are nice.
1: So,
2: <laughs> anyway, so I guess let's get to um, that's all the animation news. If you skip till this point, if you're watching this from like in the future and like, The future future where all this news isn't relevant this is the part where we'll start talking about the relevant stuff not that you would know that because if you skipped you wouldn't know but I'm just being repetitive so anyway so we're talking today about art stuff so art principles just basic stuff to get you started doing art or if you don't know where to start I'm recommending programs Um, I'm more of a traditional artist that um, does stuff traditionally which is a very bad habit of mine like um but that being said, I have maybe over a hundred hours doing life drawing um, between school and um, I take classes at the Animation Guild. I highly recommend if you're in um, SoCal, uh, it's great, it's cheap and it's taught by the best of the best. Um, so I did that and then um, I, most of the time I'm vending at conventions, I'm doing traditional commissions of pretty much any character that people want me to draw um i do a lot of little girls as ponies but then i've done things weird things like like i did the plant monster thing from stranger thing one stranger things once i um, mean the, de- done, the demogorgon yeah whatever that is
1: have you, have um so you, i've ever that down and watch stranger things no you probably should <laughs>
2: I'll get to it. You watch She-Ra, I'll watch Stranger
1: Things. You're, liter- you're um, literally in Georgia where they filmed Stranger Things.
2: <laughs> it's fine. Um, but there's a lot of things filled here, filmed here. But anyway, um, so there's... What else have I done? I've done a lot of she characters for some reason. Um, a lot of people cosplay as she characters. So they want the, co- the characters they're cosplaying as... Um, I did, my favorite one that I've done for a while is someone wanted, I think they originally wanted a catch her, but they came back and they're like, I want Scorpia. And I'm like, I will draw you a good Scorpia. So I drew like a headshot of Scorpia and, and then it's just like, oh, you commissioned me like, oh, shucks. And she's like, she's like glad someone loves her enough to commission her and it's such a cute drawing. And um, the lady who commissioned it actually got framed and tweeted at me, and she's like, "This is the best drawing ever! Thanks again!" I'm just like, "Thank you for your money," <laughs> but I'm glad you, I'm glad you, I'm glad you're enjoying the art, because you know, commissions. Um, I I use just traditional like computer paper, and I put it in a, a page protector like a professional. So I'm always afraid that someone's gonna like leave the commission in the car or something. Like, there's very few people that find me again and say hey i got the thing frame that you did so that and there was another one where i did a little girl as a pony and the parents were like we got her frame thanks so much like her cutie mark was the stuffed animal she had lauren <laughs> it's
1: so cute
2: and it it, it makes me sad because all the ones that i think are bad like i'm not particularly proud of that little girl with her key mark, but
1: you know, it got framed. So I'm like, okay, hey, they so <laughs> hey, they liked it enough, you know, but they'll frame it. So, you know, art, art yeah, you know, it, you got to remember that art is subjective. So, as much as we can look at even our own stuff and see all the, all the problems that are in it, and we're like, oh, I should have fixed this, I should have done that. Meanwhile, somebody else is looking at it with fresh eyes, like, I love it. So, yeah. If I drew, if
2: I draw one more Baby Yoda again, I swear, like, I want to, <laughs> how many Baby Yodas have you drawn? I've done three, and I and I've three I've too drawn, many. I've drawn three, and it, that was only after one con where, where the Mandalorian came out of. So you know, that's I'm just just I actually I have a, a painting done of Baby Yoda that I'm going to sell at my next convention, wherever that will happen, because I know like what's a character that I can draw that probably will still be relevant in like six months from now or a year from now, like baby yoda so i have a baby yoda like looking at the stars and he's cute and stuff anyway so um i guess i'll start with my traditional art skills and this will break it down to basics um defining some some stuff for you telling you places to look um and then lauren will jump in and give you um, more advanced steps for digital art which i recommend if your kid is an artist get them in digital art don't don't be like my parents who waited until like i was 25 and then we're <laughs> like oh here's Here's your tablet. I'm just like, oh my god, I hate this. So um, <laughs> I'm gonna. So the first step, I guess, is, you know, obviously draw. It doesn't really matter what you're drawing on, um, as long as you continually draw to find to to not only draw. You can draw your favorite characters. I always recommend that you people use their fandom love as inspiration to draw things. Like I feel like that's a great source of you know. A creative push and I don't think I would have had as big of a creative push to do what I do without you know the love for all the fandoms I have um, so yeah draw Shira, draw my, draw a pony, draw Discord, whatever you want to draw um, so step one start drawing you know
1: <laughs> and plus, plus it doesn't, doesn't mean that fan art won't get you a job down the line it got me jobs so
2: <laughs> yeah don't listen to all the art teachers that are like oh fandom is dumb draw original stuff no like that's how people discover you is they 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 discover like they're not going to be searching for like joey bob or they're going to be searching for like their favorite character like again she-ra or poison ivy and they're just like i like the way this poison ivy is depicted so that's the other step is you know finding your style i guess which is easier said than done Mm -hmm. um that's just about experimenting with art and kind of finding the way you prefer to draw your shapes and draw your characters. Um, My style is very influenced by Kim Possible. Imagine that. So like even when I'm just drawing freehand or I'm drawing um, people from conventions, people will come back. It's like, oh, it's Kim Possible style. And I'm just like, sure, whatever makes you happy. So, um, (laughs) but don't worry about the style. The style will come. Um, So... And then draw from life. So that's just getting into the life drawing stuff. So let me define life drawing. So life drawing is basically, um, well, it is drawing from life, but it's more specifically drawing people realistically, which, uh, or just kind of getting the general shape, the general position of the person to to display, you know, a sense of life, um, 3D-ism, I guess, to the figure. So... A lot of people, especially a lot of people that like animation, kind of go backwards where they draw their favorite thing and then they draw, like, start drawing people after that. But I think a good mix of drawing people and your favorite thing will help you because you really need that realistic kind of background to draw proportions correctly. So proportions are, you know, based, you know, what a character is made up of. Um, they're made up of heads essentially. So you measure the character by like. They're this head's call or whatever. And, um, you know, that's how you figure that out, I guess. But, like, having realistic proportions or have proportions that are aesthetically pleasing, like, the first thing that I will notice and probably Lauren will notice too is that if your proportions are often a character, whether it's stylized or not. So, you know, and that kind of shows your amateurism thing. So, you know, again, start drawing real people. There's tons of YouTube videos that are playlists of just life drawing um playlist essentially you can choose cloth or not cloth so not cloth is the whole traditional like drawing people naked um that's you know that's not it's not preferred at all it's just studying it's like a doctor studying the human body it's artists um seeing how like bones and muscle in the body influence each other you know things like lighting and shading of how the light is reflected on the model and seeing you know how it affects the shadows. Lighting is a whole another thing, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So it's don't don't feel embarrassed about going to life drawing classes. No one cares. The model doesn't care. And the model, um, is, I mean, the model cares
1: a little. But the model is not going <laughs> but, to jump at you while they're naked. It's just, I remember people were just when I when I it was not my first figure drawing class or life drawing class, but it, for other people in the class it was back in college. I think it was my freshman freshman year and i do remember everybody kind of like pinning themselves against the wall outside the classroom they can like i'm like are you guys nervous they're like "Uh uh-huh i'm like guys the model is not gonna i told them this exactly what i'm telling you now the model is not gonna jump at you when they're not clothed or anything like that they there is but
2: wouldn't that be a great joke
1: define how <laughs> just like saying like oh they're not gonna jump at you and then just sneak behind sneak over to the model go hey can you just jump they, they have you like just, little vampire Can you just like can something? you just like psych them out for two seconds <laughs> but no it's like it's You're naked people yeah, but no it's the yeah with with yeah with life drawing and figure drawing super essential um but don't don't be afraid to take a class i mean everybody is in the same boat as you are when you're in one of those classes and at this point in quarantine the best bet you're going to have is by doing studies based from photos or from videos videos are probably more preferable because if you can see how the figure is in real time moving around and rotating you can see it from a three-dimensional perspective so anyway that's my two cents
2: anyway um so if you just google like time life drawing on youtube or time gesture drawing so a gesture drawing is like essentially the model has a specific pose and those are ten like those are faster tentatively than just drawing a huge like Mona lisa style it's basically so you can catch the um the movement of the character so the character like looks like it has a personality depending on the pose and what they're doing um very important for animation so and then that's where the line of action comes in so the line of action is basically just a line that depicts how the, like usually in the middle of the of the character or model or whatever that when you draw depicting how the like following usually the spine as far as what way the model is pointing or you know so line of action you know mm-hmm. it's the action of of the character so um those are some basic stuff and then as far as other traditional media mediums um i like drawing in charcoal sometimes even though that's messy as all heck so um if you're interested it, it's a lot smoother than drawing as on paper and a lot of people in life drawing classes with the huge like 18 by 24 big canvases they have um they draw in charcoal um if you want to reduce the mess a little bit then you can get charcoal pencils and then you just hold it so when you're holding the pencil, you're not holding it traditionally like when you're typing with your fingers, so you're holding the thumb on top of the, the tip of the pencil and then your whole hand on like circling the bottom and you get used to it, but that, that's basically to help you kind of start using your arm to draw because you don't want to use your wrist to draw as much because it limits, um, it limits you a little bit as well as your lines are going to be a lot smoother if you kind of start in, get in the habit of drawing you know, with your arm and not doing too many strokes, essentially, which is, again, something that I have to personally work on because I draw, like, tons of lines, and it makes everything more complicated. Um, let's see what other tra- tra- traditional mediums that I do. Um, and you want to tell them about the knead eraser, Lauren?
1: Oh, yeah. So, knead erasers are pretty much, like, the knead eraser is, like, it's kneaded clay, basically what it is. It's almost like a putty, and often... Uh, traditional artists that go into, uh, into a studio and will use it with, uh, with uh, graphite and charcoal and stuff, they have a kneaded eraser because it picks the pigment off the page a lot more easily than a rubber eraser that may end up grinding it deeper into the, p- into the page. You don't want that. So a kneaded eraser helps kind of lift that pigment off by using it's like that sticky consistency. Um, and it, and it also, it can last you quite a while. Um, but yeah, and it can be rolled into a ball and you can roll it across the page and, and just pick it up that way. But yeah, needed eraser. That's definitely one of those things that they will, no matter how many life drawing classes or studio classes, they'll tell you, even if you're taking a painting class, just in case, have a needed eraser. <laughs> so
2: kneaded erasers, um, and then painting, I guess, we'll move on, we'll touch base on painting a little bit before we move on to digital fancy, fancy stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So how I paint is I do a very rough sketch of what I want to paint in on the canvas, uh, usually with a blue, blue pencil or something like that. Photo blue, by Um, the way.
1: It's like sometimes that there's actually a light color called photo blue, and then you can find a pencil for that if you go to an art store. Um, it's actually to draft out things very lightly. So you have just enough of a hue that you can see what you're doing on the page. But let's say you want you don't want it to show up on a scan or anything like that if you're going to go over with ink. If you take a picture of it and bring up the contrast, that blue won't show up. So it's really good for drafting. Anyway, continue.
2: <laughs> yeah, so a lot of comic book artists who do still do comic book traditionally use um, the blue to do their pieces and a lot of animators still use blue pencils to do their um their rough sketches and they outline them with pencil but anyway so um and then I draw my figure and then basically I layer the paints so it's a little hard because you like once you it's basically coloring essentially except you're it's it's you're a little bit more um what's the word You're, you're it it depends on the it the order is more important than just coloring so usually you do the backdrop first and then you drew draw like you paint you paint the color of the, the the subject like the skin tone and then you do like the hair over that and that's just to make sure that if you make a mistake so like say i'm making I, we have a blue background with a with a headshot of a person so if i do the blue background and i bleed a little bit into the space of the person then it's not that big of a deal because i'll just paint over it when I paint like the, the details of the shirt or the the neck or whatever um the only thing that's kind of hard sometimes with painting if you are painting in that way is that you you kind of have to remember the details like once you paint in the person if it's a person for instance you kind of have to still like paint it light enough that you can still see like the, the outline of the nose and the and the um and the eyes and the other thing is like when you make a mistake when you're painting it's hard to like Fix it.
1: Um, yeah. Watercolor um, so- is often not as forgiving. Acrylic can be a little bit more forgiving, like anything that you can kinda more or less wipe off really fast as soon as you make the mistake. Um I think I think acetone also works. I, I could be wrong on that. But yeah, it's just most often it's painting over your mistakes as best as you can if you do. <laughs>
2: So it's not like it's not like drawing digitally where you can just press the undo button. Oh my it's god, fine. it's the
1: worst. So <laughs> when you can't,
2: where's the where's the undo button? I keep on pressing my paintbrush on the canvas and nothing is happening. <laughs> so that's a Procreate uh, joke. We'll get to that in a second. But anyway, um, so you know that's how I you know painting is kind of um like sometimes I'll do it because. People usually, when they're commissioning things at conventions, they want something specific. They want their daughter. They want their dog. They want something that you can't plan for. So usually what I'm doing is a piece, like, pre-done to to sell at a con. to I usually do, like, a silent auction thingy above. Um, it will be something that's relatively safe. So, like, for the, the My Little Pony conventions, I do a character that... The voice actor is there for so i've i usually do discord when john is there or i'll pick i've done fluttershy before when andrea limman is there or this year for bernie i did a discord and i did a Fostercorn, which is um the creator Lawrence faust's pony oc if you're confused don't worry about it <laughs> i did pony for, for someone that was going to be there their pony character whatever and um so i can get them signed and then it can be like detailed thing of of this this pony signed by the person who makes the voice sounds of the pony (laughs) so people usually get excited about that um I did a Luna Princess Luna one year that was signed by Tabitha so you know stuff like that so anyway um I think that's all my traditional tips um get a sketch pad with paper that's relatively thick um, or at least have a lot of paper that you can you can lean on. So usually um, when I'm at conventions, I have a cardboard, just like a little piece of cardboard that I put under the paper so the paper doesn't bleed through when I start using markers to color it. Um, you know, but you can buy sketchbooks pretty cheap these days. You know, go to the store get a sketch pad. The the very the bare basics like the computer paper, all of that stuff is very relatively easy to find Mm -hmm. um so once we so after lauren talks about the online tools we'll trail back and and talk about um animating traditionally which both me and lauren have done in the past yay i'm talented so um in my animation class or or both my animation classes we used computer paper we didn't use anything particularly special but um the complicated part comes when you get the light box and you and you, pl- and you have to clip your paper specifically to the pegs of the animation table, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, Lauren, tell me, how do I use Photoshop?
1: <laughs> okay, well, first off, yeah, I'm going to start off with the, the, the general programs that you may... It, most of them are going to be, yes, a forewarning, they're mostly going to be um, Adobe Creative Cloud or Creative Suite uh, programs, but only... To use these as not strictly this is what you have to use, but they are a foundation of what you can look for in a program. If you don't want to go with these programs, there are always substitutes. Um, with, for instance, to I'm going to give you the most you know most general one that everybody pretty much knows is Photoshop. It originally started as a photo editing program, but then everybody went crazy with the digital art on there, so <laughs> it basically became incredibly versatile. Uh, it's it as long as you have a digital tablet. I mean, there's a lot of artists that even use just their mouse to draw in Photoshop and create art and God bless them. Yeah. But <laughs> but if you are definitely 100% more comfortable with a tablet, definitely look into there's all sorts of tablets out there. Uh Monoprice actually offers pretty pretty reasonably priced ones. That was one of the first ones I got. A well, Wacom uh, a Wacom was my first one, but it was a very, very, very small Wacom. Uh, then I invested in my own Monoprice, and now I have I run off an iPad, but <laughs> but I also have a Cintiq as yeah. I also have a Cintiq as well uh, from a friend.
2: I'll just give you I'll just add a, a a tip. So if you're if you're used to drawing traditionally or it's very hard for you to to use a tablet, so how the tablet is basically set up is that you have a little pad that you draw on. But for most, most of the time, when you're used to drawing traditionally, you have the you're having to look up at the screen of, to see the drawing versus like looking down and seeing as you draw. So the iPad is probably the best bet if you want, if you're mostly a traditional artist and you're getting used to creative, like getting used to doing stuff creatively, like digitally. Um, you get the iPad and you get the iPad pen and you get Procreate, which is like 10 bucks in your set, mm-hmm. you know, which is basically, pho- P- Procreate is basically an artist-friendly um, version of Photoshop for your iPad. So, but anyway, if you're if you're not ready to buy an iPad yet or you're like, well, I don't really care, I can draw whatever I want, then you can go get a tablet, like a Wacom or the one Lauren's suggesting. Okay, Lauren, continue. Yeah,
1: so um, with Photoshop, I mean, that's the most general one everybody kind of knows, uh, but it is a, you know, it's a now one of the most popular digital drawing programs that people use in for all digital artists, all sorts. Um, but because they can buy and download all sorts of either free or custom made brushes that you can buy as a set that all these artists from all over the world have made, uh, basically to make any, any image and any of, add any effect you want to a picture. Um, but with, uh, but it does come as part of the creative cloud suite, which is, uh, basically a whole bucket of, (laughs) of, of Adobe products. And I currently do have the creative suite, you know, the whole create, I call it the creative suite. That was originally what they called it, but it's the creative cloud. Um, that you can, you know, pay per month for an amount of programs, one of them being Photoshop. Or you can pay per, for, like, one program and still do that per month if you want to or do an annual plan, however you want to do it. They, they try to be flexible on the, uh, on the plans. Uh, so, uh, but then if you don't want to get Photoshop, I will say that there, of course, are other alternatives. And some of those are, a lot of them actually, are more, like, open source and free to use or they are very, very, very inexpensive. Uh, compared to Photoshop, which, yeah, it's not exa- not exactly cheap to even just have on its own. It's sometimes cheaper to just have it as part of your cloud. Um, but, it's, uh, but there are some examples like uh, Fire Alpaca. You can use uh, that program. That is one you can free, free download for, for Mac or PC. They have both versions, and they're constantly updating the program. And so, if you need to update it, it'll probably shoot you a little alert saying you should probably download the new version just in case, because it's got these bug fixes and stuff. Um, and it's really good too, because people have made brushes for that for that program as well that are also free. So it's free on top of free. And I've used it especially for inking. It's a really great program for inking. If you're, uh, if you're, they even have layouts for comic pages. So it's almost like they're trying to do. What um, I think there is a um, was it Clip Studio Paint is I'm I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. if that's the one that There's also like Manga Studio, and all these other ones that are like oh. that are like uh, comic book creator friendly, and so uh, okay yeah, <laughs> you were saying,
2: I was gonna say define the order like define inking in what order you would like do the picture in. Okay,
1: so when it comes to. Yeah, when it comes to that you first have to sketch out sketch out what you want it's kind of like taking the foundations of traditional and you go forward with them in digital uh in pretty much any digital art program you work in layers so don't lose track of those layers by the way i, I just make sure if you're going to use a bunch of layers name them <laughs> you don't want to lose track of that stuff so make sure you have on one layer your sketch or sometimes you may have a cluster of sketch layers in case you need to separate like foreground, middle ground, background. Lay out what you want. Usually prefer to use a sketchier brush like something that alludes to pencil or just uh, using a lighter color to draft out what you want. Uh, next, next few layers up, uh, you start doing, uh, for me, I've been doing inking. Because you know what you can do after that is when you have everything inked in, uh, you can do color layers underneath the ink layers. It's almost like having, you know, if you uh, if you want to basically select that layer and you fill in underneath it, so that way it's not like you have to paint over the over the ink layers. You just arrange them underneath. Um, I know it's like it, I think with with Procreate, which we'll get into in a sec. They make that more intuitive and more friendly and much more easy to use. But uh, we'll get to that in a sec. Um, And then finally, you can use filters, you can use uh, filter layers or anything that uh, you can just basically adjust anything in the layers of Photoshop, Uh, if you want to add clouds, if you want to add light, if you want to add shading, uh, those can all be their own layers. And it can be multiples of layers. So it depends on how detailed your picture is going to be. But you can adjust them however you want with uh, different uh, layer effects and stuff like that. So there's all sorts of tools it would be ta- it would probably take a million hours to describe how Photoshop works to all of those degrees. Um that's like a whole <laughs> a whole episode on its own. Yeah, just just to talk about all the different functions of Photoshop would be an episode and a half. Um but but it basically it, it's not hard to to arrange and and construct a file in Photoshop as long as you have a sketch layer, an ink layer, a color layer, and some effects layers like lighting and shading. And if you wanna have a background there too, then you obviously put that, you follow that order, you put it underneath uh, your other layers, like your ink and color. So um, yeah, it's, it's, that's pretty much the foundation foundational stuff for Photoshop. And the same can apply to if you're making images in Illustrator, another Adobe program that's vector-based. Uh, if you're not familiar with working with vectors, vectors are not pixels. They, uh, they are much cleaner, much more, uh, I want to say they're much more adjustable because often when you're working with vectors, you're working with points versus pixels. Uh, so you can make a make a stroke in, like a brush stroke in Illustrator and you can adjust that more easily because often there are points that you can use to move, move the stroke uh, stroke however you want it, and curve it, and smooth it, and flatten it, and anything you want with it. Um, it is still kind of complicated to work in if you are just getting started in vector work, uh, but it's but it becomes, you know, it becomes second, no- second knowledge when you um, start getting into it again, uh, just, you know, practicing on it. Just like with anything. Yeah,
2: vectors are hard. I have flashbacks to high school when we were vectoring stuff in Illustrator for t-shirts, and I was just like, I don't like, I don't, do not like. But <laughs> yeah, basically the big difference is um, vectors are for things that need to be ex- like made bigger. Like, think signs, think a lot of graphic design work, think posters, mm-hmm. think t-shirts, like I said. Um, well, you know, Photoshop or pixel-based programs are just for art. But usually a good workaround is if you know how big your size are, the size of the image you want and um, you do not know how to vector things you just make the the, the dimensions of the original image really really big uh, that's a lot of times what we do on the team is we'll make for backgrounds and things like that if that animation is going to go on and instead of making it like 1920 by 1080 which is the youtube dimension size of things we make it twice that length or that that size which I don't know what the math is, but it's like whatever twice that length is. And that way um, it still looks good on a YouTube video. And if you we have to zoom in for a particular shot, uh, it's storyboarded. So we usually know if we have to zoom in, it's not going to like, you know, we the, the picture is big enough that if we zoom in specifically that it won't look too bad unless we're like zooming in really, really thick or really, really <laughs> like there. But um, vectors, you don't have that problem. You can zoom in as much as you want if that's, hobby i guess (laughs) and that's why people like it for signs and posters and that's why all the logos for our stuff is made in illustrator because we don't know what we're going to need it for we don't know if we're going to put the logo on a t-shirt we don't know if it's going to be on a banner for youtube Mm -hmm. so it's better to have it a vector if you if you don't know but if you do know what you're making the art for and you don't want a vector you can just make this the dimensions. start start the picture with dimensions twice the size and then um you should be set
1: yeah and uh and with also being vector based, you can also build puppet pieces. Like if you know about puppet animation, uh, that's basically where you take elements, you parent them to each other. Like you would building a skeleton, like the head bones connected to the neck bone, the neck bones connected to the chest bone. <laughs> no, I know it's not chest bone, but you know, I'm talking about it's going with the rhyme, but it's basically when you can parent, uh, which is a term to just say, connect pieces together, uh, uh, all of these pieces into a puppet that you can animate uh, in various programs, that being like uh, uh, photo- uh, like you, well, Photoshop, yes, but with uh, Flash slash Animate, or you can do it in After Effects uh, or any other program like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's because you can build those puppets in, in vectors. You can adjust them more easily than having to go into Photoshop uh, and having to possibly redraw things. Uh, if you didn't, if you, it's much more easy to duplicate and copy elements in Illustrator than it is in Photoshop, and to have it be clean all the way through without losing any resolution on whatever you're editing. So that's another thing because of Photoshop being pixel based, make your images bigger. <laughs> than what you're expecting them to be usually. It's uh, because of that them not being vector-based. If you were to try and resize them, you may lose that image quality if you, say, had a small image and you grew it bigger. Now, you're going to lose all of that detail that you worked on because you work too small. Work bigger, and then you can always shrink down the image if you need to, or make a duplicate and shrink that version. Always save your work. That's another thing. Always save your work. Even if you need to save it every five minutes and hit that Command S, just do it.
2: <laughs> yeah, your your future self will thank you. But um, yeah, we're we're kind of in like level two, level three, like digital stuff. So um, you know, I w- like as you're practicing do- doing digital stuff, you can always do characters without a background with just a transparent background. Mm-hmm. And how you do that is the light. La- there's just no layer under background there's a lot of, it's just transparent there's a
1: lot of artists that do just straight up character portraits without a background and honestly since my own strength is not in backgrounds um even at this point i'm considering with uh, doing commissions going forward is just doing a character because that's my strength anyway it's just if i if i mean i only if i'm really really bold and i want to try doing a background for somebody I'll do it not like i can't do it it's just it's not my wheelhouse
2: (laughs) yeah most people were like i want to draw the character and i'm just like yes but i need this background they're like but character (laughs) and i'm like learn how to animate so um that's just a general artist thing is people it's funner to draw characters it's funner to draw people than the background um you know unless you really like still life then you're probably going to want to draw the character but just kind of Practice in both in case, you know, you never know what you're going to be needed for and boring
1: stuff. And if you're, going to be a storyboard, so, uh, if you're going to be a storyboard artist, at the very least, know how to lay out a scene. Even if you don't draw the full detail of every background, just at least know how to lay out a scene. Because that's what I have to do, even, a, even if it's not as clean. I do have to lay out backgrounds and seeing where characters are in a shot. So do know that as a storyboard artist even though I'm not a professional storyboard artist I am more of like a I do I do it freelance but yeah (laughs) she does it when I ask her to which hasn't (laughs) happened yet but
2: anyway so um, Lauren's technically on the team I guess for those who don't know sometimes if I'm if I need an animator for something I'm just like hey Lauren would you mind and she's like yeah sure and I'm like when will it be done I'm like don't worry about it. It'll be done eventually. Yeah, so I'll get these random texts from Lauren saying, "Hey, it's almost done." And I'm like, Lauren, I believe you. Don't worry.
1: It's like I just like it. I just like to keep you posted, just to make sure it's just like you know it's getting done. It's getting done. You see progress. It's getting done.
2: I promise, I'm not procrastinating my homework, Mom. Anyway. Um, so let's touch on storyboarding and what is storyboarding and um, that will probably lead into um, 2D animation, some basics for 2D I, animation well, I, we don't well, have gonna, time to cover. I was going to say go uh,
1: really quick, uh, Procreate. Let me just quickly go into Procreate because this is an incredible program. I'm going to not, I'm not a sponsor sponsored person by Procreate or anything. I'm literally just going to sing the praises because it is that good. Procreate is only 10 bucks. Get it for your iPad or even the portable version for your iPhone if you have that. I think even Android has it. Um, it's like, it, it's, it's so versatile in what it has, even though it's not a million bajillion tools like Photoshop. It gives you what you need as a digital artist. Um, and people make Procreate brushes and kits and all of that stuff that you can also buy that are also not expensive. Or you can even download free ones because it's like, it's that awesome. Uh, definitely highly, definitely highly recommend it. Uh, I use it every single day, um, for my work and for my freelance and for everything else. Um, it's just, it's just that easy and it's taking everything that you, uh, if you wanted to learn Photoshop, but you didn't want all of the tools to like overwhelm you. I recommend trying out Procreate first or even something like Fire Alpaca, where it's not a million bajillion tools, but it is what you need as a digital artist. So I'm just going to leave that there. And it's, yeah, it's super, super easy to get. Uh, And uh, I just think, I think the only thing is uh, people are hoping for like a desktop version of it, (laughs) which I totally get, but then that means that they would be definitely competing with Photoshop on all grounds. (laughs) So I don't know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Prograte, I mean, I'm someone who doesn't, I mean, I... What I do on the team is I outsource all the, tr- the creative things. So I'm still kind of the creative lead, but um, I'm the primary goal is script writing for me because I'm the only one who can do that. And especially recording, that's the only one that, that's especially the only thing I can do. I don't think we'll, we'll get an AI where we have automatic KP doing the, the voiceover for the videos. So like I try to outsource things so I can limit myself to stuff that only I can do so the videos can get done faster, but don't lose um, quality. Cause we, we try to have a really good quality. Um, in the in the KP videos, um, I think I'm very proud of my KP videos, and you know I'm very proud of the podcast. And we get all these fancy assets, and like twenty people watch us sometimes on YouTube because we forget to upload stuff on YouTube, which is go us. But anyway, <laughs> um, Procreate makes is is nice. Um, like it it makes life so much easier. Like Photoshop, like for example, coloring in Photoshop is such a pain. You have to like I don't even I don't I I've been taught how you color in Photoshop, but I forgot. So it's like, you have to like put the, check the layer and, and like reverse, inverse something. But percreate, you just drag the color and put it on where you want it. And then it colors it. And I'm just like, yeah. where have you been all my life, my love? And then, and then the, the, the undo button is you just hit the screen twice yeah, and undo does
1: stuff. Yeah, you, you pretty like, much just double tap. I think it, you double tap with two fingers. To undo so it's like it makes it so much easier oh and uh using a drawing layer as a reference for filling with color yes that's what she's referring to by the way is um let's say you have an ink layer like you've made this awesome picture you inked it and so you have your ink layer you set you go to your ink layer settings label it as reference you'll see there's a little thing that says reference hit that it'll check it off And so when you make another layer underneath it to be your color layer, you can just drop in the color you want from the palette, drag it down, and fill it. And it just does it super clean, too. And you can adjust the spread of the fill. So that way, if you're seeing, like, oh, it's missing a couple pixels here and there, you just take the color, and you drop it in, press and hold, and then you drag it in a new little, like, uh, a little monitor comes up where it shows you the scale of the of the spread of the fill so you can control how much goes out in feathers versus you know photoshop which you have to sometimes adjust the tolerance and all this and that and then you just have to keep tapping that fill (laughs) until it's just like spread enough that you like it and even then it's not always clean so (laughs) it's I'll help Procreate, our Lord and Savior. Yes, <laughs> and, also, okay. and also they have a, a a new animation feature in Procreate, which they're trying to test it out to see how people like it. Uh, it. But that does segue into our next topic, which I will bring up another program when we get into it.
2: Okay, so um, as people, as as you will find out, you don't need a fancy program to animate. You just need usually pencil and paper, and you can, like, pe- you know that's how people used to do it, right? So if you're just starting to animate, then, um, and you don't know how to start, then that is um, option A. Um, the biggest thing, I think, is um, getting, what are the things called, Lauren? The, the pegs. So getting animation pegs yes. um, and getting hole punchers for the peg. So the peg is basically the thing that holds all your paper together, because when you're animating, things have to be placed very specifically so only certain aspects of the character move. So if you're animating, like, a walk cycle or something and you have the arm swing, then only the arm should be moving. The rest of the body shouldn't be moving unless it's reacting to something. So um, step number
1: one, go ahead. Also, if you can find it, uh, I'm sure there's places online that even sell it, uh, animation paper, like, literally just rungs of animation paper. It's not expensive to get them, and it's the foundation. It's already pre hole punched stuff that's set to those, that's already set to the, the animation pegs, like the spacing of them. So you don't have to do it for every single page if you had like regular paper. But just saying, if you want to look into it, there is animation paper, and that is what animators have used. traditional animation and still use so uh yeah just just saying (laughs) save yourself a lot of grief on punching trying to three-hole punch a whole bunch of things all at the same time
2: yeah but if you don't if you don't mind hole punching and you don't want to buy animation paper because the internet is hard then you can always just use computer paper like i like i was saying earlier like both my animation classes we just use computer paper because when you're animating you go through a lot of paper so sometimes just it's easier just to To use computer paper is like well if i run out i can just go to the store i don't have to like go online and like order it and wait until shipping and stuff so i think there's two kind of pegs i don't know what they're called there i think there's one's called an acne peg and basically it's just the middle like whether it's like thicker or not it doesn't really matter which one you use as long as you're consistent Mm -hmm. so whatever and then um the next step is basically Looking at your animation principles. So there's 10 animation principles that I totally know off the top of my head. But you can find videos where they break down um, what the animation principles are. But just just know them before you start. I think it will save you a lot of grief if you just are going in blind and you're just trying to have to learn these things. People people figured it out for you for a reason. Yeah. Um, he, learn if by you're really others. serious.
1: Learn by watching others, basically. Observe. Observe movement. Observe other artists. Observe nature observe how things move observe physics I'm not talking about the numbers I'm not talking about the formulas I'm just talking about literally watch a ball drop and see how it hits the floor <laughs> I mean you got to understand yeah. that so
2: if if you're really if you're really interested in learning like the principles very thoroughly there's always the one book that everyone recommends that I will recommend for you right now it's uh, Richard Williams animation survival guide it's thick um, Richard Williams was known. Um, he just died like a year ago, but he was known for being very thorough with his animations and very nitpicky. He um, did Who Framed Roger Rabbit and the famed unfinished video film, The Thief and the Cobbler, because he couldn't get he couldn't schedule things. But anyway, that's unimportant. So, um, but he's he was I think he before he died he was probably the best living animator. Period. Mm-hmm. And then it's probably now probably it's Glen Keane or one of the one of the the Renaissance. Um, animators or, or something, mm-hmm. but anyway, um, you can buy it, um, or you can you can get a physical copy, or you can get one like a download of a PDF of it or whatever. You can probably pirate it. If um, I won't recommend pirating, but it is it's it's out there to be pirated if you so choose. Um, same thing with his lecture classes, um, which are a hecka expensive, or you can go get them some other means. Which again, I recommend if you want to sit through, like, 20 lecture classes of him breaking down animation principles. But anyway, um, like, from the 80s or whatever, whenever. Um, so, let's see, so I think the biggest, probably the biggest ones are squash and stretch, mm-hmm. which is basically knowing, and, like, frame rate, which is how to animate in one podcast. So, um, Just so given squash the and stretch is, yeah, it's, um, it's basically when an object moves, how, like, if it's, like, a ball like Lauren's like the, ver- the most common animation practice test that I have ever heard that I've done like several times and Lauren's probably done it like a million times is the bouncing ball mm-hmm. um, animation test so basically you're taking a ball and you're seeing like as it as it hits goes closer to hit the ground there's more frames because the action is slowing down And then as it gets back up, it hits the ground and you can see how it reacts with the ground. How long does it take to, you know, squash because it's, you know, it's physics. It's hitting the ground and it's reacting to hitting the ground and then it bounces back up. And then the frame rate or how many frames per individual um, shot or use essentially frame rate is hard anyway. it it changes based on the distance of the object towards the, the the thing it's it's interacting with. So less frames when the action is faster, more frames when the action is slower. Mm-hmm. Um, that that helps with run cycles generally. When um, you get, and so when you, you get more you should,
1: advanced, go into smears.
2: <laughs> oh God, um, yeah, smears are like the Looney Tunes thing when it, when you catch like it off something off frame and it's like oh like. Blended together in lines and stuff like that. Maybe if there's a demand, we'll do like like intermediate animation um, tips for people that care about them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, <laughs> um, so I think squash and stretch is the most important one. Um, keeping a solid line, which is basically basically making sure when your character is moving in a frame that um, the line is like the line the outline is consistent. So like say you have a foot, the foot isn't changing sizes every time the character is moving. It should be consistent. Um, you know, boring stuff like that. So I'd recommend doing the bouncing ball tests, which you can find videos on everywhere if you'd like just to kind of get your feet wet as far as you know, animation timing. And that's usually what animators in the olden days were trying to perfect, depending on a scene, um, how the timing works for a character, depending on what they're doing. Um, You know, and then also, if you're going to do traditional animation, learn how to flip paper. Mm -hmm. Please. It will save you so much time because like the the bad thing about tr- animating traditionally is you to test things you have to take pictures of each frame and play it back, and if you are um, so digitally you can do that instantly, but it's it's like a whole ten minute process just to check. So you know you want to try to flip to at least double check before hopefully save you some time. But the good thing about animation, unlike stop motion, is that if you fit if you get if you mess up a frame or something like that, then you can just like add more later or something, whatever you need to do versus stop motion where you're just you're just screwed if you screw up. Anyway, um um I think that's basics. So um and then you can always storyboard your scene, which um storyboard pro is a free program that I use sometimes if you need to story a storyboard out of a specific scene, please oh God, storyboard your scene or do like a rough sketch of what's happening in each um shot or image like you know if a character is running like their hand is moving up and down and like maybe it's a it's a wider shot where the character is interacting with the house so learn camera like you know the, the kinds of shots that you're using learn um you know you don't have to storyboard to, you, digitally um lauren you have an example of that right
1: yeah i was gonna say um there are animation professionals storyboard professionals who don't even have to, well, the, they will tell you, like, oh, the st- standard is now using Storyboard Pro. But not everybody can obviously have that in, so easily at home. So what they do is sometimes they just use Photoshop or Fire pa- Alpaca or anything like that to just draw just to draw frame by frame what they want, and they just turn them into JPEGs or PNGs, and then they just arrange them in, in a movie maker of some sort and set it to sound, and that's how they do animatics. So, I mean, basically, you can still do that to a degree with, you know, with animation. If you're, if you're dedicated enough and you want to do that, you can. So, um, I mean, there's always a workaround to everything. Uh, But, yeah, with, like, storyboarding, you can use those programs or you can hand draw them on with pencil and paper, on sticky notes, on little, uh, storyboard sheets that you uh, if you haven't seen those there's a template for them and everything like you can even google one and use that as your it, as your base for for you basically thumbnail out what you want in a storyboard you write out the action and the dialogue that's happening in each of those frames uh, and then you just string them together in an animatic because then you know what's going on for each scene or each shot um but yeah, you can, it, there's the traditional way, there's the digital way, and then there's just like, yeah, if you can't do Storyboard Pro, which is definitely more advanced anyway, uh, but uh, so if you can't do that, then you obviously can use the other programs that we've mentioned before. Um, yeah, and some people even use Procreate for their boards. They, I mean, they just, if there's a well, there's a way.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, and some, like, just just depends. But yeah, I think the biggest thing is, like, why we're recommending all this stuff, is just making sure you plan things out, because you don't want to start animating and then, like, you realize, oh, this character, this shot doesn't work. Oh, it's not clear what this, what's happening in this shot. So, um, you don't want to have to, like, redo animation because the animation part takes a lot. Mm-hmm. If, especially if you're doing, like, inking, coloring, you're doing the whole thing. Um, if you're just starting out, I would just do, just do sketch, or pencil tests just to kind of get used to animating and don't 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 do full color for things no. that you don't know how to do
1: it <laughs> no no please don't it, and plus it's just it's it's too much time and effort to 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 do that especially if you don't know what you're doing you don't want to you don't want to cause that much more stress for yourself start with the basics start with the fundamentals just do rough penciling just keep it light just keep it energetic and just 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 get used to creating life <laughs> you have to just get that's the most important part is if you can make somebody look at your work and believe it's alive that is why animation has the effect of the illusion of life so it's like as long as you have that then you can build up from there don't try to make a Disney film when you have not even done a bouncing test. So, don't uh, rip. do not ripped you. <laughs> do not try to do that. I know if you are ambitious and you have the drive, you just have to start at a proper place before you get to that point. Build up your experience. Do not try to overwhelm yourself trying to make, you know, something Disney or Pixar would make or DreamWorks would make or Warner Brothers would make, you know, before you're ready to do that to the, to the full extent. You have to just, again, do keep it light, keep it rough and keep it, keep it simple.
2: (laughs) Okay. Um, can you talk a little bit about, uh, Boom, Lauren, and then I'll end out with some other tips. Yeah.
1: It's funny because with Tomb Boom, it's not very easily accessible even to freelancers. Um, it it hasn't been for a while. So I, I, I can't really say too much about it, except I know the interface. It's not as intuitive, as, at least to me, as, as somebody who has more experience working in Flash. Some people say, oh, it's kind of like working in Flash, but then some. And I'm like, it, "It's yeah, it's, it's an option that's out there, and a lot more studios are trying to switch over to it. Um, but to this day, uh, Flash slash Animate is one of those programs that is still industry standard for like TV animation. And even some short film animation, um, but Toon Boom is on the rise. If you if have seen anything like uh, the Lion Guard or the Tangled series or anything like that, those are actually done in Toon Boom. So they're much more sophisticated in design and in character rigging and in how much control you have over a scene. Um, and so it it, it that's how it w- that's why it was designed. It was to make the, to make that whole process more sophisticated and more streamlined uh, but yeah it's uh, it's something I still myself need a little bit more practice in um mm. but yeah it's uh, but I mean to a degree I see what people were saying when they're like oh it's kind of like flash but the 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 interface is not the same as flash so it take it's a whole other learning curve to just learn tune boom So if you want to learn tune boom, look up tutorials and, and see if that is the program for you to begin with. (laughs) So if you want to hurt yourself, it's like, otherwise it's like, yeah, I mean, down the line, it, it it should be something that more people should be able to have access to. But for right now, it's all a bunch. It's mostly studios and maybe freelance animators that have some, uh, have a license to it. But, um, but it's, it's, it, yeah it's, it's it's just something that has to be practiced with first before it before I, I remember trying to use that for my senior thesis film before i even really knew what i was getting myself into with it so because somebody said oh do you want to do it in flash i'm like yeah they're like well why don't you try it in tune boom that's yeah, like flash and i'm like "Ooh, that'd be cool and i go in there and i'm like I need a whole other class. Just... Let me just learn Spanish in the meantime. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, <just> like <laughs> Meanwhile, I need a whole other class just to learn Toon Boom. And at the time, uh, there really wasn't a class for Toon Boom. It was that new. Uh, we had it on the computers, but I didn't know how to use it. So nowadays, there are actually tutorials and classes and lessons and all sorts on how to do Toon Boom. And there's Tomb Boom Harmony. There's yeah, it was Tomb Boom Basin's again, Tomb Boom Harmony or something like that. There's different versions of it. Um, but yeah, it's it's that kind of stuff where you can build up to those. And and in the meantime, if you can't have the program, it doesn't hurt to watch tutorials and see how it works so that you are familiar with how it works before you get into it yourself. Um, but yeah, and, and as more studios are starting to use it, it'll be better to learn it absolutely and to know it even if you aren't going to work in it. so yeah uh, otherwise there's always a way in other in other, other tools so and there's always more materials at your disposal if you can't get a hold of tune boom. so there's always a way. It's just like with um, I was gonna say there is um, a more basic let's say you're starting in animation and you want to do it on the digital platform. Flash is number one, you know. If you want to learn how to animate in frame by frame, and you're doing it in a vector base, there you go. Um, and a pretty understandable interface uh, with keyframes and dropping in audio and syncing your animation to audio. Working on a workspace, uh, it's it's been around for forever, <laughs> and um, some and yeah, it's it's to this day still used for TV animation. So, um, but with, when it comes to um, drawing frame by frame, something that's a little bit better would be either something like TV Paint Pro, which I did animate in, in college. Uh, that's a French program. And uh, there are a lot of short films I've seen and even full film projects that have used TV Paint Pro, which is a lot more compatible if you want to make something look more hand-drawn. And it is more something that if you wanted to do Onion skinning and do it with a pencil brush and make it look like it's, you know, pencil and paper drawing. Uh, That program can do that for you. And then an even cheaper alternative to that, which I recently discovered and have been having a great time with it, um, is actually one where I'm hoping to find more brushes for it if I can. Um, But in the meantime, it's a great tool, is Rough Animator. There is an app that it's only a few bucks. I'm not even kidding. I think it's only about four bucks or something like that. And it's, uh, otherwise it's like you, you pay that once and you never have to pay for it again. And it's where you can also use the same kind of interface as Flash without, uh, without having to pay for the Adobe suite. But you're also getting used to working to that th- through that interface without having to, you know, before you get into that program. Let's say you started with Rough Animator and then you go to Flash. Uh, The only thing is with Rough Animator, it is pixel based, but it does have smoothing tools that are a lot like uh, Flash. So if you wanted a smoother line, more control, or if you wanted to have the computer to have more control over your line versus you, uh, you can do that in Rough Animator. And it uh, doesn't have, as far as I know, it doesn't have a frame limit in terms of how long you want to animate a scene for in rough animator so i think that's pretty cool too is um for and rough animator by the way is as far as i know just for ipad i think it is and maybe other tablets like it's just pretty much a tablet in general kind of app uh with flash it's desktop and all that stuff and you can do a lot with it as well um, also, no frame limit as far as I know, unless you take it to some crazy extreme level. <laughs> like, if you're going to have, like, I don't think you can't animate a full movie in one file. Basically, you can't do that. <laughs> um, My dreams are dead. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, there's always a way around everything when it comes to animation, when it comes to storyboarding. There, there's, a, you know, there's a, there's, everybody has a method, and as long as it works and as long as you get your story across, and as it's clear, uh, and that it, you know you can get people hooked onto it, that is what matters more in the end. Um, and uh, but in the meantime, if you want to learn more about these programs, there's tutorials and 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 classes. And now there are classes on on certain on certain programs that you can even take, or just books you can read, or even just again YouTube videos that you can watch. So to live in the internet era and grow up in that and see how much more kids know nowadays versus even just five years ago. So <laughs> you guys don't know how good you have it right now. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. So anyway, um, I'll over. end on a... <laughs>
2: i'll end on um some just notes as 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 a producer and or someone who kind of has a gist of what people are looking for at, on portfolios we can probably again have a whole episode about portfolio review because that's a whole thing mm-hmm. but a lot of times people will look for in your portfolio all this you know all these animation um, pieces depending on what kind of job you're applying for as well as um life drawing like i've i've you know i never well i have i have applied for jobs but i've never gotten one but um you know that's just what i hear a lot is people want to see that your life drawing skills are really like in place you know what proportions are those are the kind of things because when you're thrown into an environment where you're you're not used to drawing these characters then you kind of have to like how how easily can you ad- adapt and one of the things that i think people that are you know, in the fan art bubble kind of predict or kind of used to is that, you know, their style might not be the style that's needed for the project. So when I try to find artists for my team, I look for people that are relatively adaptable or at least willing to be, to be, you know, hey, this is something that outside your comfort zone. Is that okay? Versus someone who just wants to limit themselves. Because if you're limiting yourself, you're just kind of limiting your opportunities, essentially, which is, you know, up to you, obviously. I can't tell you what to do. But, um, you know, that's just something to look for. Um, I also recommend um, for editing your stuff together. So there's um, Windows Movie Maker, there's iMovie, and then there's HitFilm um, Pro, I think, or just HitFilm in general. Google it. Mm -hmm. It's a free editing program. And um, it basically is, from what I've been described, it's um, Premiere and After Effects, uh, both Adobe products, products. Both Adobe products, but they're combined, and it's free. Mm. So um, if you don't have a program, an editing program on your computer, then uh, feel free to look into that. Um, And then Inkscape 2 is a alternative for, a free alternative for if you don't have Illustrator, if you really want to. Mm -hmm. Again, Google Inkscape. Um, But I think the biggest thing is, like, knowing what uh, people want to see because I've just, you know, I've been doing online content production on big scales for, like, five, yeah, six years now. God, God, we're old. But people, the, the big thing is that people want to see persistence and flexibility. Um, you know, I don't want to hire someone who only wants to, I say hire in air quotes, like it's all volunteer, but I don't want to hire someone who only wants to limit themselves and only wants to do their one style. And um, because, you know, what if I don't need that one style? Mm-hmm. What if... Um, You know, and as the creative process can be messy sometimes, and there'll be a lot of revisions. I know as a producer and a content creator, I am very nitpicky, you know. So I am very nitpicky with what I want because um, of just the creative eye I want, just the creative eye I have, just because I know the art principles and sometimes artists I'm working with don't have that foundation, which is fine. Um, But, you know flexibility is always important as well you know like I might ask for like 5,000 revisions and I you know I know it's a lot and I know I'm a, I'm a butthole and stuff but you know it's it's kind of meeting halfway and realizing oh okay like they're not doing this to be mean to me they're not doing this because it sucks they're just doing this because they want the best and they want to push me to be the best mm-hmm. and um, you know, I think the biggest thing when you're starting out is persistence and like getting that thing done because I think um, Laura and I have both been in the the my Little Pony fandom for a while now and there's just these big projects that just don't get done, man. and I get mad when there's panels for these projects that probably won't get done and that's happened like like four or five <laughs> times where I'm just like, why are they having a panel for this thing that's been? announced two years ago and we've seen what some pencil tests for it like are like you know so like i pride myself in be able to have a team that like we finish we finish everything that we do and that is nice for people because they know they're they're not going to just do the work and it's just going to sit in the vault until i'm like oh never mind you know so like when you're when you are persistence when you finish stuff and you can put it at on your portfolio it shows versus someone who just like well I you, like you listen to this whole episode and you're just like I just want to do this thing and then you're like oh this is hard I'm bored and I'm no one's like you know and you don't have anything to show like no one's gonna like it it helps to, for when people to take you seriously as an artist as a creator as someone who, who's producing stuff when you finish your your crap Mm -hmm. um and when you have like animation tests go a lot longer than just a still frame image of a character like you know it 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 shows just how much hour how many hours you put in it just shows like that you know that you're willing to self-teach yourself um you know because like just in the industry now you want to be surrounded by nice flexible people because you know people don't want to hire hire like buttholes like And those things travel around when someone's like, oh, he's a great person, but he's a pain to work with. Then people will just like move on from your resume, even if you're freaking amazing. Like, I know the classic example is uh, Mick Kaw, who was a nine year old man. He was a little salty and had an ego, but he knew, he would say things like, I know Walt's not going to fire me because I'm the best living animator, period. And, like, I think he was right. <laughs> so, you know, unless, like, you're so amazing that your attitude is tolerable, that you're, like, then then you're, you're not going to get a job. Yeah. Like, you know, don't be a butthole.
1: Um, Lauren, do you want to say anything? I mean, that's the fundamentals. Just is be a nice person. Be decent to work with. Because, uh, trust me, the industry is small. So the social circles are even smaller. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's because of that even on an international scale, is because the animators kind of stick together. So word gets around about, you know, other people. So it's just, it, that's just how it is. And so if people know that you're not being nice in the industry, you're hurting your own chances of going to work anywhere else. So that's kind of yeah. just, just be a good person and be good with your work ethic. But th- but even more more importantly, just don't be a jerk
2: yeah and I think the biggest thing starting out when no one knows you is just be persistent and actually get your work done so you have something to show when you're asking people to look at your portfolio and ask like what can I improve upon you know like I, like, I suck I'm still cleaning up my DeviantArt for, from pieces that like are like five years old that I'm like Ugh, I thought this was bad like the, the best piece that I've done is like the only one I'm just like I still like that one but everything else I'm just like I hate it and my dad would like give me shade sometimes he's like well Rachel your art needs some work and I'm like thanks dad I want to do this professionally thanks dad but now as a 20 26 year old I've gotten to the point where my dad's like oh Rachel your art's good you still need to take art classes and I'm like wow that I've I, I've done it dun, 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 dun. so you still take art classes obviously to stay fresh and stuff but like um so persistence being a nice person in general and being flexible and, practice, um, also practice, 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 yeah. practice. Again, practice. that comes with the persistence um, as well. So, I don't know. Like, I guess if we if we have demand for this, we'll do another like general animation breakdown or mm-hmm. like a more advanced breakdown on stuff. Or Lauren will teach you how to do Photoshop if you can't figure it out from the internet or you want me to be there and make funny jokes on the side <laughs> where we're just like, yeah. So, um, but I hope this this helped um, and. You know oh i i remember my my thing that i was saying so about the fan projects thing Mm. so um you know just like if you're going to start a whole fan project again this is a whole other podcast is just like make sure your team is committed and um yeah i'll just i'll just save this this for another time but you know it's just it's it's frustrating when those things don't get done and you know Oh, my other point, I remember it, I remember it, is um, be honest with the person you're working with. If you have any mental histories, if you have any physical conditions, if you have any limitations, if you have something that's coming up in your real life, because like producer, I mean, it depends on the person, I guess. But for the most, like I don't want to be a butthole and a lot of people don't want to be buttholes. But we can't help you if you don't tell us that something is wrong, if there's something coming up. And that helps us tell the difference between whether you're procrastinating or whether you, this thing is genuinely happening and you just need like, you know, my grandpa died, I just need some time off. And I'm just like, didn't your grandpa die a week ago? You know, like, but if like, help us help you in making sure that you have a healthy work environment. And when the producer is just not listening to you or the person in charge of the project is just like, meh, then um, you might not be in the right place. But um. Yeah, I, I, I think that's that's it. Lauren, if I, I've i been a good producer. I've been momming you pretty
1: good, right? Yep. And so it's like, that's why it's like, <laughs> you, you, yeah, because you constantly check in with everybody, making sure everybody's doing okay. And it's like, huh, you, we, there's been radio silence from so-and-so. You know, hope they're doing okay. Let's check in with them, see how they're doing. You know, it's that's just how it is. That's how it's been on the team, and, and that's good. I mean, it's a good, healthy dynamic is to make sure that everybody's doing okay so that way – you know the work is is doing well too, um, but because in mm-hmm. the end it, the person has to be okay in order for anything to happen. You know, so it's, yeah. And sometimes we, we ju-
2: like not to put you on the spot, yeah. but tell me tell me how great of a boss. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I'm 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 just okay, but I mean anyway, no, but um, it's been it's been good. Yeah. I
1: can genuinely say this. It's like yeah. So I mean, and and KP's been really understanding of the whole thing you know for everybody if they if something's coming if something's come up and as long as they're vocal about it and then it's just like you know you know it helps them make sure that you know they can you know that they can communicate with the rest of the team about if if you know they're having trouble and they need somebody else to jump on something while they take care of something you know that kind of thing so it's it's no it's good <laughs>
2: My, my trauma motivates me to be vocal and demand people to be more vocal, so it's great. So anyway, uh, I guess we'll end there. Lauren's like, this is going to be a shorter episode. I'm like, no, it won't. <laughs> you just, just wait. Um, so if you're new, uh, please listen to our other podcast episodes. Um, if you feel like it, you can find them on YouTube and SoundCloud and Spotify and iTunes and Wherever you get your podcasts, because I don't know where else you're getting them if they're not funneled through there somehow.
1: Yep, but they'll probably be there. And they upload um, and they upload the latest, on Wednesday. And they upload on Wednesdays.
2: Yeah, they upload on Wednesdays at six a.m. Usually the YouTube version is on on um, at four p.m. on Wednesday if um, there isn't problems. But we don't try to really push it because I'm just like if people really want to listen to it, they can just go on on SoundCloud and watch it. But anyway, um, you know, subscribe and put the thing, subscribe to the main channel. That's part of the point of this. Um, hit that bell notification uh, button. Yeah, hit it. Smash it. Um, Punch that
1: like button in the face um, like a boss. Push
2: the like button. <laughs> Give us your firstborn child, you know. Um, <laughs> join our, our Discord fan server. We're trying. I'm trying really hard um, to make it um, a place that you can get creative feedback and not just, like, chill and have game night and, like, talk about how cool I am. Um, (laughs) That's a joke. Um, I'm not, you know, so it, which is it. But anyway, um, if you feel like being social, I am in the discord server a lot, all the team members in the server, because um, if you want to ask them questions about stuff, Um, but yeah, I wish you luck in your creative endeavor. Uh, Listen to more episodes. If you haven't caught up, I think we have like, like at least 10 at this point um, to free to binge. And you can always skip the news. Sections if it's boring and stuff, but yeah, thanks for listening to Animation Communication. Yo, <laughs> tune in next you time. Wanna s- you want to? Will we ever find the ghost of Old Man Jenkins? Will Batman
1: and Robin escape the Joker and Penguin? Find out next week. <laughs> okay, Animation Communications.
0: Okay, Good night, Night. everyone. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Animation Communication on YouTube, Spotify, or your favourite podcast provider. We are really hoping this show makes a difference in how people view animation and media, as well as giving and providing advice for people all over the world who like or want to join the animation or media industry. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe and rate those five stars, as well as tell your friends don't forget to subscribe to the main YouTube channel. I love Kim Possible a lot and turn those notifications on. My name is Scribbler and you have been listening to Animation Communication.